Our Old Testament reading comes from Psalm 60. So if you want to uh, grab your Bibles and follow along, you you may. In Psalm 60, uh, this is our Psalm of the Month. And so, uh, as usual, uh, at the beginning of the month, I will um, read through the psalm, and then I will make a few uh, comments upon the psalm so that we can sing this with understanding, hopefully. Uh, Psalm 60, uh, please give your attention to God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. To the chief musician, set to Lily of the Testimony, a victim of David, for teaching when he fought against Mesopotamia and Syria of Zobah, and Joab returned and killed 12,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. O God, you have cast us off. You have broken us down. You have been displeased. O restore us again. You have made the earth tremble. You have broken it. Heal its breaches, for it is shaking. You have shown your people hard things. You have made us drink the wine of confusion. You have given a banner to those who fear you, that it may be displayed because of truth, because of the truth. That your beloved may be delivered. Save with your right hand and hear me. God has spoken in his holiness. I will rejoice. I will divide Shechem and measure out the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine, and Manasseh is mine. Ephraim also is the helmet for my head. Judah is my lawgiver. Moab is my washpot. Over Edom I will cast my shoe. Philistia, shout in triumph because of me. Who will bring me to the strong city? Who will lead me to Edom? Is it not you, O God, who cast us off? And you, O God, who did not go out with our armies? Give us help from trouble, for the help of man is useless. Through God we will do valiantly, for it is he who shall tread down our enemies. If I were to pick um, a, a theme for this psalm, it would be victory will only come through God's appointed king. Victory will only come through God's appointed king. As you recall, over the last few psalms, we've seen uh, a consistent pattern where there is this catalog of various enemies that David has to confront. Okay, from It began really in Psalm 54, and it brings us to this psalm, Psalm 60. There were enemies from his own tribe in one of the Psalms. There was the enemy that was his closest friend. There were the enemies that were the neighboring Philistines. And then King Saul in a particular uh, Psalm. Then lesser rulers of the land, like lesser magistrates under Saul. Then there were the murderous henchmen who were sent on an errand to kill David. And now in this Psalm, we have the enemies from distant lands. So we see this progression. But there's something unique about this psalm. In all of these other psalms, in every every one of them, David has been on the run from Saul. Okay, Uh, Saul has been after him. David has been fighting various enemies in in that time period. Okay, But here, 
in this psalm, uh, David has been enthroned finally as king over Israel. This is, uh, and the events of this psalm are found in 2 Samuel chapter 8 and 1 Chronicles 18. 2 Samuel 8 and 1 Chronicles 18, if you were to read those chapters, you would get a little bit of the background, the backdrop for this psalm, although not a whole lot, okay? But David has ascended the throne, and the Ark of the Covenant has been brought back to the tabernacle. The prophet Nathan has come to David and has given him the promise that the Messiah would come through him. You know that wonderful promise in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 14. And God has told David that he would build up David's house. The Messiah would come through him and that Solomon would be a type of that. And then in 2 Samuel 8, uh, the background for this psalm, we see the various territories mentioned uh, that, are, that, that, that are mentioned in this psalm. If you turn to 2 Samuel 8, I'm going to turn there just for a moment, and you can see some of the enemies or, or um, the territories that are mentioned in this psalm. In 2 Samuel 8, at the beginning it says, And after, after this it came to pass that David attacked the Philistines. Okay, that's a mention, They're mentioned in this psalm. Then verse 2, Then he defeated Moab, forcing them down to the ground. That's mentioned in this psalm. And then in verse 3, David also defeated Hadadezer, the son of Rehob, the king of Zobah. Uh, the Syrians of Damascus, they're mentioned in this psalm. Okay. And so these various enemies are, are, are mentioned. So this is a time when David has just become king and he's on the conquest. Okay. God's giving him the victory over uh, his enemies, uh, his conquest and his early reign. And even in the superscription of this Psalm 60, we, we have a, a, the song beginning on a high note. Joab returned and killed 12,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. So the question is, with that backdrop, why does this psalm begin with these words? Oh God, why have you, you have cast us off You have broken us down. You have been displeased. Oh, restore us again. And then also verse 3. You have shown your people hard things. You have made us drink the wine of confusion or the wine of staggering or reeling, the effects that wine can have upon someone who has been drunk. Well, there are two options that uh, seem to be legitimate options as to why this uh, song, starting with verse 1, begins on a negative note when David is in the midst of conquering all of these enemies early in his reign. One option is that in the midst of all these victories in battle, David and his men actually suffered some kind of defeat. They lost a battle or even more than one. And then the scriptures simply don't record it. Because when you read 2 Samuel 8 or 1 Chronicles 18, you don't see any hint of any kind of defeat or them retreating from any kind of battle. And I think that's possible. And this could be meant to teach us that even godly kings like David can have setbacks. That faithfulness to the Lord does not always guarantee a perfect victory every time over our enemies. But another option which most commentators seem to, fare, uh, to, to favor, and which I'm, I'm inclined to hold to, 
is that David is actually referring back to the time when Saul was king. When the kingdom was in great disarray and upheaval before David came to the throne, which was a fairly recent occurrence. Under Saul, it appeared as if God had cast off his people. That is to give them such a wicked, self-centered ruler. But now the rightful heir, the Lord's anointed, a man after God's own heart, has finally ascended the throne. And David has become like a banner. Notice verse 4, you have given a banner to those who fear you. A banner is a rallying point. It's a sign by which, uh, uh, behind which people march into battle. And now David as a banner has been put on display. The Lord's anointed has been set upon his throne. God has spoken now in his holiness, verse 6. That is in truth, according to his perfect holy nature, for he is a God who cannot lie and who will keep his promise. He will give the land of Israel and the surrounding nations as an inheritance to his anointed. And we, then we see a list of the various regions where the Lord is asserting his sovereignty through King David. First are mentioned areas to the north. Um, which did not immediately come into David's possession. Look at verse 6. I will divide Shechem and measure out the valley of Succoth. Okay? Gilead and Manasseh, also which are mentioned, are mine. These were regions which would have at first been under the dominion of Saul's son, Ishbosheth. Uh, Ephraim, which is also called the helmet. Uh, most likely because Ephraim was the biggest and most dominant of those northern tribes. And later on, when the kingdom would be divided, the Israel to the north would just be called sometimes Ephraim because it was the, mo- the biggest and most dominant tribe. But here David says, Ephraim is my helmet. So remember, David first was enthroned over more so the area of the southern kingdom of Judah. But then later all of these surrounding regions would come and they would acknowledge uh, David as their rightful king. And David is saying, these all will be given to me. These will become mine. And then we have Judah, which is mentioned, which is called my my lawgiver, which is where he would ascend the throne. Uh, Recalling the first promise given to Judah, remember at the end of Genesis, with regard to the promised Messiah. And Genesis 49, verse 10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet. But then in this psalm, we are also given the outlying regions of the land of promise. Moab and Edom in the east, on the other side of the Jordan River, on the other side of the Dead Sea, Edom and Moab. And then Philistia, which is on the, the, uh, the farthest west coast along the Mediterranean Sea. So David is looking out and he's saying, all those regions up north and then to the east and to the west, to the, to the furthest reaches of the promised land and even to the exterior of it, God is giving to me. Uh, um, Moab is my wash pot. Wash pot uh, children was what was used uh, for washing the hands and feet. And David's saying, yeah, Moab's going to become my wash pot. I'm going to wash my hands there. I'm gonna, that's going to become my territory, you see. 
and then e- over Edom, I will cast my shoe. Uh, some of you children uh, know that maybe in your own house or in some other people's houses, you should take your shoes off when you enter the door as a courtesy to be kind. But that's where uh, you're allowed to do that because that's the person's property. Okay, I'm going to throw my shoe there. I take my shoes off when I get home. I'm going to throw my shoes where I in the place that I own, and I have a right to do that. And David says, e- "Over Edom, I will cast my shoe there." But I think we see this from this, that any other king, other than the one that God has seen fit to reign, no other king will do. God will give the victory when his anointed is on the throne. And who is the Lord's anointed? We know, children, ultimately, it's the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom David was only a type. Notice that David says, towards the end of this psalm, in verse 11, Give us help from trouble, for the help of man is useless. The help of man is useless. And what does that teach us? That even the help of King David is useless. We must have a greater king, the Messiah, the God-man, to lead us into battle and to gain for us the victory. In and through Christ we will reign with him, not only through these few token territories mentioned in this psalm, but over the whole earth. Uh, so with those, those uh, in, uh, introductory comments in mind, uh, 